You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Hey, Queen City Church, this is Andy Squires. I'm here today with Robin McMillan, and we are actually sitting in the sanctuary at Queen City, and nobody else is here. It's just the two of us, and old Chris McMillan's back there manning the board with us, but uh, we are here today to record a special podcast. As you, you are well aware, normal life has kind of been put on hold for a little while anyways, and uh, we are wanting to play things as safe as possible and follow all the recommended government protocol. So if you're listening to this, it's probably Sunday morning and you're not at church. And uh, so rather than gather for our normal Sunday morning service, uh, Robin and I have decided to just sit down and kind of talk through some things So, Robin, why don't you jump on there and say hello to everybody? Well, hello, everybody. It's great to be here with you as we um, consider what life uh, as normal shall be here in the next coming weeks and months. As, uh, of course, most of you probably know, the governor of North Carolina has um, told us that uh, he wants uh, everyone in every different area of life to cancel assemblies of more than 100 people, and we felt like we should comply with that. Of course, down the road, they could make it mandatory. If it took that, I don't believe it will personally, but nevertheless, we, uh, Andy and I are here based on um, those facts. So we were talking, you and I, Robin, were talking through um, kind of this moment that we're in, and in some ways, it's a little bit unprecedented, I don't know that we've ever been in a uh, pandemic mode before. Um, I was reading up a little bit, historically speaking, and there was a influenza outbreak in 1918 through 1919 that had some pretty significant, um, you know, fatality numbers. And so reading up on that was quite extraordinary. But but yeah, actually, I've never lived through anything like this actually, before. Actually, they closed the city of San Francisco mm. and were letting no one out or in for a period of time. Yeah. And I did hear that uh, in talking with a friend of mine who's in touch with the uh, Center for Disease Control, he understood some facts that the regions that continued to have their um, parades that year suffered more mm. flu than the ones that paid closer attention to uh, the same kind of guidelines I think we're looking at today. Yeah, well, there you go. But so you and I were talking earlier before this podcast about these kind of flashpoint moments where yes, yes. where something happens and it affects all of culture and uh just kind of demands an extraordinary response. And you and I were kind of talking back and forth through things, other moments in our lifetimes that were like this. And you mentioned some things like maybe yes, the assassination I, of JFK. I can remember the first major life-shaping, forming, affecting single event for me uh, I believe it. I was 10 years old, and John F. Kennedy was assassinated. They shut school and sent everybody home. Incredible. I remember 
um, the, the terrible assassination also of his brother, as well as Martin Luther King, which certainly affected our nation. Mm-hmm. I remember the attempted assassination on Ronald Reagan. I, I can remember exactly where I am. I don't remember the challenger quite the way you did. For some reason, I was out of pocket. Yeah, the Challenger explosion was a big deal for me. I remember it specifically because I stayed home from school that day to watch it with my dad. And wow. so we had we yeah. had kind of planned our day around that. And it was, man, it just took the wind out of our sails for quite a bit of time. But, but then some of the other moments you and I had talked about were things like, Y2K, the yeah. Oklahoma City bombing. Right. Uh, I remember even in 99 when Columbine happened, just, you know, we, and, and then obviously, uh, September 11th just changed the course of everything. And, and one thing that, uh, seems to be, uh, the same in all of these different situations is that fear tends to increase and and faith and hope seem to decrease and i just thought it would be great if you and i could talk through a little bit how to deal with fear in this moment well let's think about what we already mentioned um just in a natural before we get into sort of the spiritual ideas but the kennedy assassination the king assassination the second kennedy assassination uh, Lee Harvey Oswald being shot by Jack Ruby. I saw that live on television Sunday afternoon. Crazy. Um, you mentioned the Challenger. There was the gas crunch of 1974-75. I mean, I was riding a bicycle to work because it was hard to get gas. Mm-hmm. I was uh, just out of college, wasn't married yet, and was working at a printing, printing company. And, of course, uh, 9-11. Now, here, here is something, something to recognize. Guess what? Here I sit, having survived mm. all of that, plus some of the personal tragedies people go through. I've mentioned even in church recently the death of my father, the collapse of um, uh, ministry. My wife and I had been devoted to for, for many years, mm-hmm. but here's the proof in the pudding. Here I sit. Here I sit in faith. Mm-hmm. Here I'm still happy that I know Jesus because he means so much to me. Mm. Now, from uh, a spiritual standpoint, anything in particular— uh, you were wanting me to address there, Andy. Well, I mean, I think, I think, uh, what's, what's foremost on my mind is here, here's a question I have, Robin. And I love that you've set it up kind of in this way where you're like, well, you know, I've, I've seen a lot. We've seen a lot as a nation. I've seen a lot gone wrong in my personal life, but, but here I am. Right. Um, so, so, but let's, let's kind of shine the light on this moment right now. Sure. Do you think that it is possible for a person to live free from fear in a time like this? Absolutely. Um, and the reason I say that is if that's not possible, um, I think our Christian faith is not a viable option for people mm. today. Mm. And the problem is we're going to be tested mm. and and see the the depth of your faith when it comes down to it, Andy, um, comes down to the, the depth of your personal relationship with Jesus, your mm. personal relationship with God. In other words, it's not a matter of simply letters on a page. It's not a matter of church attendance. It's not a matter of anyone else that you know. 
at one level, it's a matter of that personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are things, though, that um, go into that equation. Yeah. One of them says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm. Now, what that means to me is there are Bible truths and Bible realities that are part of our faith that if we don't have knowledge of them, if we don't um, somehow, uh, if we're not able to express faith in those things, then it's as though we don't have them. People um, people collapse and fall apart who simply don't have to. Yeah. And it's because they are not based in a truth-based reality as far as the Scripture tells us. So they're, they're dealing more in theory than in an actuality in their relationship with Jesus, practically speaking. Yes, yeah. because we have to challenge ourselves when it comes to issues of faith. Yeah. Jesus simply said things like, he that, has this, he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Mm-hmm. Either that's true or it's not. Right. So and, let me, let me just to clarify, cause you mentioned, uh, you know, our faith being tested, uh, which I, I completely resonate with cause I've had many times of testing in my right. life, but you're not saying that the COVID-19 virus is a test from God. Oh, no. This is just no. something that happens in life and it's, it's, in its very nature, going to stretch us to one degree or another. Yeah, I don't attribute evil to God, Amen. quite frankly. Yes. And um, you have to go through sort of a biblical um, understanding of mankind. But what I basically believe is that the problems we face in life are basically came from the breakdown of relationship between Adam and Eve in the garden, which mm-hmm. has continued to spread through humanity all down through the ages. And so there are bad things that happen that God is not the sponsor of nor the source of. Yeah. But we have brought these things on ourselves. Basically, you could say by being in allegiance with the devil or the evil one, it says in certain places. Mm. Because there is an evil entity in this world. Right. For instance, um, tornadoes are not acts of God. Mm-hmm. Their nature out of whack because mankind is out of whack with the relationship. Actually, you find in Romans chapter 8, there is a very clear reference that the creation is waiting for the full expression of God in his people. It's mm-hmm. called the uh, the manifestation of the children of God mm-hmm. because there's a relation. It says nation uh, or nature travails mm-hmm. because of this disruption that has come between the people of God and God, which happened in the garden. Mm. Amen. Well, so just to kind of bring it bring it down into the practical again. Yes, that's a bit philosophical. Yeah. yeah. What uh I mean, when I'm listening to you talk, I mean, you're a person who's experiencing this moment that we are in just like anybody else, but I hear from you kind of this there's an assurance within you there's there's a there's a piece uh, like a, like we've talked about pervading fear but but you've got a pervading peace in you do you do you actively go to the scriptures and read them or or is there some type of confession outwardly or is it just kind of like you have these scriptures already hidden in your heart like how how do you manage what's coming at you in the world. I would, I would say yes to all that. After being saved 
during the Jesus movement in, in the 70s. I have decades and decades of opportunity to know the Lord, mm-hmm. which has involved reading the scripture, um, actually teaching, obviously as a pastor all these years. I've been, I think, 40 years teaching the scripture, and, mm-hmm. and the things you teach oftentimes are the things you learn the most yourself. But yes, I have go-to verses of scripture um, in times when I am tempted to be afraid. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't fear anymore at all, but what I'm saying is I have a source of strength when fear is a tempter in my life. Mm. And one of my go-to uh, chapters would be Psalm, um, Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. Psalm 91 makes some of the most phenomenal uh, promises, over-the-top promises yeah. of any other verse in the Bible. Now, has everybody lived to the complete benefit of those over-the-top verses? No, but they're there. Yeah. There's a standard. Yeah. There's a standard to, to get us to realize we really can believe God. We really can trust God no matter what's going on. It doesn't mean we won't experience uh, times of pain or even deprivation. Yeah. We could. Yes. Um, I, you don't have to read much about the Apostle Paul's life. Sure. Wrote. Uh, the greatest part of the New Testament to know that you can still suffer physically, but there's no suffering like mental anguish or a paralyzing fear or Mm. the accusation of the enemy when you don't know how to answer those things. I really appreciate you using the term being tempted by fear. So what you're not saying is that being a believer, you're just going to walk through this life with ease and nothing coming at you. Clearly, you know, as you've just mentioned, the Apostle Paul, even not only will you be tempted to fear, but you could find yourself in situations that really are fearful. Yes. But what I hear you saying is that there's a way to not give in to that fear. Yes, I, I don't, um, I don't, I'm not saying you'll never feel afraid, mm. but there's something that can happen to you, even though you feel afraid that comes more substantial than that being afraid. Wow. Um, but that is a place, we are in a developmental process as believers. That's right. We really are. And things that might make some person afraid, I might even not even think is a momentary blip on a radar screen. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've been able to settle some of these issues over the last 50, almost uh, 60 years. You've developed some muscles. I have developed, I have a history with God. Yeah, ooh, that's good. You see, I've I've got a history of of a life in God through Mm. family troubles, church Mm. troubles, financial troubles, um, you know, all all kind of different difficulties. But the the thing I, I have as my testimony is, even when I've been at, at, at error, I have never had the Lord's correction come to me any other way than in kindness and gentleness wow. and encouragement. Wow. I, I know some people say God's angry with me. My God is not angry with me. He is not unkind to me. Even when he corrects me, mm. he does it with the way a gentleman would do it. That's with amazing. kindness, mercy, and and in such a, in such a gracious way, and I, I'll be honest, you know, I'm 69. I've been saved since the 70s, late 60s. I've needed correction, yeah, many times. In Haven't my life. we all? Yeah, for real. <laughs> well, Robin, 
can you give us some of the scriptures that that have you've grown to love in your life that just you know i mean i don't know i feel like i know the bible fairly well too but you know it's interesting i think there have been times in my life when i've actually thought to myself oh yeah i know that scripture i already know what the bible says and then when I find myself in a moment like this, yeah. when everything comes to a screeching halt, uh, I find great comfort in the scripture again. Like, like my level of appreciation oh, for the words of, of Jesus go, yes. go way up. And so what, what are some of the scriptures that we could be feasting on maybe in the week and coming weeks? Well, actually, feasting on is a great um, concept. Because what we're supposed to be feasting on is not the media mm-hmm. and not the negative reports, even if they're accurate. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be feeding. We're supposed to be feeding, one verse says, feeding on God's faithfulness. Mm. And and so you need to think back to the times God met you and helped you. Mm. Or if you didn't meet and help you yet, maybe you're young in your faith, go read about the historic deliverances in the scripture or even in the lives of people you might know or or famous Christians. But there's some go-to verses. I mean, the classic, one of the classics is in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's, uh, that to me is one of the classics. Then you have the words of Jesus. Peace I live with you. I leave with you, rather. My peace I give to you. Mm, this is one of my not favorites. Not as the yeah. world... Come on. Not as the world gives do I give to you, which means he doesn't take back. Mm. If you, if, if you're having a peace problem, you've left it. God hasn't stopped giving it. Wow. Cause he says, I don't give it like the world gives it. Yes. The world gives you based on sort of, um, a give and take. You give them something, they give you something. But no, Jesus says, I give you peace. Wow. I leave it with you. I don't take it back. And then he says this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so what he's saying is you actually have control over whether or not your heart is troubled. And so he says, don't let it. Wow. You have an authority. You have control over your emotions. Now, a lot of us don't believe that, and a lot of us have got to be pretty emotional people, but my default understanding is always back to Jesus. Yeah. I think he's smarter than I am. Yeah. Amen. I, <laughs> you, we might have to be careful here, Robin, because if you start preaching, then I'm going to start preaching and a couple of preachers just preaching at each other back and forth. But, uh, uh, I have this, this really hilarious anecdote that I'd like to share. Yeah, be great. Literally on my, on my drive over here, I stopped on my quest for toilet paper. As you all know, toilet paper seems to be in short supply all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, and I, I stopped at the Harvey's supermarket over here off of Clanton Road. And lo and behold, they had toilet paper for sale. So I grabbed some, got in line, and the woman, checking me out uh, at the cash register, she stopped me and she said, and I quote, profanity blank the media, keep your eyes on Jesus. And I didn't know whether to fall over. (laughs) But I mean, this is late. This lady was out of nowhere. She didn't know I was a Jesus follower or anything, but I just thought to myself, wow, 
she's she's using profanity and preaching the gospel at the exact same time. I I I don't know whether to receive this or not, but I think it was really a good uh yeah. good message because uh you know, we talked about feasting on the scriptures as opposed to feasting on all of the negative media attention that's coming our way. I mean, we're not talking about sticking our Ignoring the problem, no. sticking our heads in the sand no. and saying no to the reality that's in front of us. But there really is something to what you're feasting on, right? Yeah. Yes. What you give your heart to exactly. does influence you. Yeah. You, you can't fill your mind up with all kind of negative things and then be victorious. Yeah. It's just not going to work yeah. because we're an integrated being. Mm. We're not just spirit. We're we're body, soul, spirit. We're mind, emotion, yeah. will. We have all that integrated. It's yeah. hard to separate some of them. Yeah. I remember this story Arthur Burke told years ago, a preacher friend of mine. Um, he told about in Africa, uh, these cattle drovers would build um, makeshift enclosures around the cattle with uh, these briars, these big, thick sticker bushes to protect them at night from the lions. Oh, like thorn bushes. Like thorn okay. bushes, yeah. Okay. So they would, ha- they would have a corral of thorn bushes with their cattle inside. Mm. And what the lions would do, the lions would roar and roar and roar to try to spook the cattle out of their safety. Mm. Now, see, that's, that is what I see our life is with Jesus. We are innately in a place of security. We're innately in a place of peace. But the devil goes about as a roaring lion Mm. trying to get us to lose our peace and go into anxiety and all sort of uh, pandemonium. Yeah, that's a powerful metaphor. I, I, before we started this, you and I were talking and, uh, you know, just kind of in comparing our notes with each other, you made this statement. You said, you know, Andy, what we're really talking about learning how to do is just be a basic Christian. Like there's a real, there's a reality to being a Jesus follower. And when you said that, it made me think of that scripture in Hebrews 2 that has really given me comfort over the years in a lot of different ways. situations in my life. Uh, and, and I, and I love this particular scripture that I'm going to read because to me, it clearly defines the distinctive Christian hope. Um, and what I mean by that is that there really is Christianity makes a claim that is unique comparative to all other religions. And it's this idea that, Jesus came, died for our sins and in order to redeem us, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, well, it's a resurrection hope. It is the hope of the bodily resurrection. There really is this promise given to us of eternal life that includes our actual bodies, right? Well, it actually calls it immortality. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think Uh, about that word for a second. That's a pretty tremendous promise. It is. 
But in Hebrews 2, uh, the writer of Hebrews says it like this. He says, because God's children are human beings, thats I guess that's you and I, right. all of us, were made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And to me, this is the real kicker right here. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And I'm telling you, I can't remember the very first time I read the scripture, but man, something about that passage just hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized probably more than death itself, I was in bondage to the fear of dying. Mm -hmm. And and it, it seems to me like when you're in a moment of like COVID-19, another, another way you could describe it is as the plague, like the plague comes and instantly society is gripped mm. by a greater strength of the fear of death, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, this is one of the most amazing promises that I see in the Bible because it's it's releasing people from the fear of dying I mean, resurrection's coming, man. That's a promise that we're given. But this is, to me, even the greater promise because it, it, it relieves me of that mm-hmm. tormenting fear of mm-hmm. death that, according to this scripture, has really afflicted mankind since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let me ask you this question. All of that to say, can you think of any keys for us uh, to be... I don't know. Keys is a, that's kind of a funny word, but what are some ways that we can stay free from the fear of death as Christian believers? Yeah. Well, um, I know that's a lot to unpack, but yeah. Um, I think for me, it's been a long time since I've been afraid of that. Wow. Come on. Talk about that. Yeah. And, um, I think it's simply because I've had time and grade in um, in my relationship with Jesus. And one, I think one of the problems people don't recognize is their conscience is not pure. They still have lingering doubts uh, between themselves and the Lord. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And see, one of the things that has struck me lately is... Um, and we don't talk about this enough, but the Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. Mm. Well, how does it do that? Well, it does it in this way. The blood of Jesus is the cleansing agent that Jesus gave his life for so that we can be assured that we are no longer held accountable to our sins. Wow. They are gone once for all. What a relief. Our heart has been sprinkled, it says, in one place. Mm. Um, but it's the, the life is in the blood. There's this truth that, as far as God is concerned, the shed blood of Jesus has taken care of any obligation or responsibility we have whatsoever for what we have done. Okay. We're free. Okay. We're clean. And if God says we're free and clean, we're free we're clean. I mean, David in the Old Testament, the terrible things he did with the, well, the illegitimate child of Bathsheba, the killing of Uriah, mm. the putting his 
uh, soldiers in a place to have to do that yeah. on his behalf. Yeah. Then the prophet comes. And when the prophet um, addresses an issue, David answers that issue by saying that man should die when he was talking about himself. And he didn't know it. And he had no idea. Mm. Well, what happened to David was his conscience became alive again to the evil he had done, but he knew God was merciful. Mm. He wasn't asking for justice. He was asking for mercy. And he knew that his God was a God of mercy. Mm. And Jesus is the root and the offspring of David. And what it means is David and Jesus have so many similarities, but David knew God was merciful. We find out in the New Testament that that mercy is directly connected to the shed blood of Jesus. Mm. We have, we are completely free from our sin. Yeah. We've been completely forgiven once for all. Yes. That's part of it. Yeah. Another part, now what I'm afraid of, if I was going to have a fear, is uh, to be in pain for a long stretch of time before I die. No doubt. Yes. <laughs> that, I wouldn't want that. Right. Would that bother me? Well, yes, that would probably bother me. Yeah. But it doesn't, doesn't keep me awake at night, say. But you, uh, you obviously have that, that, e- that promise, that yes. eternal hope. Yes. It's, it's active. It sounds like it's active in your heart. It's active it, in your mind. I, I really don't deal at all with the doubts in that area at all. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just, uh, I feel like by the grace of God, I've settled some of those fundamental issues over the years. Amen. Amen. Well, that's, that's so awesome, Robin. You know, I'm not sure how much we want to um, talk about practical things right now, but um, we, we've, we've dealt with some of the spiritual existential issues about fear surrounding this pandemic, um, you know, but maybe, the, maybe as a church, you know, a church isn't just an idea. A church is people. It's actual people, right? And, and, and for the foreseeable future, we're not necessarily gathering together on Sunday mornings, but I have this idea that there are still ways to be the body of Christ yes. to not only to each other, but to the world that we're, we find ourselves in right now. And, and one of the things that I've been thinking about is how, uh, you know, and, and, and I, and I hope this doesn't come across, uh, negatively, but I've, I've seen, there's, uh, I've seen people begin to hoard. I've, I've seen mm-hmm. people begin to hoard unto themselves and, uh, or, or like to think of themselves first rather than to think of other people. And, and I want to be careful here because there is such a thing as, taking care of yourself and taking care of your family. And and those are all good things that we should do. But do you agree that as the body of Christ hoarding unto ourselves is probably not the Jesus way. And if, and if there's anything that we could be doing or should be doing, it is to extend a helping hand when those opportunities present themselves. Oh yes. Um, Christopher mentioned earlier that, um, one of the problems with hoarding is there are people that live paycheck to paycheck. And if they can't find it that week in the store, they're not going to get it. Yeah. And when we store up because we're afraid we're not going to have enough, what it actually does is it puts a huge strain on the amount of goods currently mm-hmm. available. Mm-hmm. It's what happened in the gas crunch when it used to be 
you went up and filled up. Now you filled up and you filled up every other tank you had and put it in the garage. And even the old car that wouldn't work anymore, you're trying right. to get up to the gas station. Right. And so if, if people will simply be practical mm. and not, um, and not hoard, it will keep other people from having, being able to access just the daily amount that they need. Yeah. Another thing too is, um, the whole idea of generosity. Um, I thought about, I have this verse of scripture that struck me, Andy, and I haven't looked at it in a long time. Let me read this because it will open our eyes to something. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and Mm. lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil or it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Then it goes on to say this, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Wow. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, the thing about this verse is it talks about giving to the Lord in a first fruits way of thinking. Yeah. Um, a lot of people give to the Lord what's left over. Right. They're leftovers. Essentially, mm-hmm. you, you think you can afford it. But there's an attitude where people give to the Lord first and trust him for the rest of what they need Wow! over the course of their week, month, whatever, right. whatever it is. And there's a promise. There's a particular promise with a first fruits gift to the mm-hmm. Lord. It says your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So there's a relationship between... Um, giving to the Lord out of faith and love that somehow can affect how you live and how prosperous you may be down the road. Wow. Now, it's not, um, it doesn't like always work automatically or who wouldn't do it? Sure. But it takes faith. Yeah. And it takes, God calls it an honor. Honor the Lord with your possessions. What does that mean? It means you're generous because you see everything you have, God has given you. Wow. And since you know he's faithful, you're generous because he keeps giving. So what I hear you saying is that a moment of crisis is really a call. It's a call to generosity. Yes. You know, to our neighbor, to the world around us, to the people that we should maybe be staying aware of. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of folks that are in the service industry of one, one kind or another. Maybe, maybe they're making an hourly wage and their boss tells them to not come to work anymore. You know, it's, right. it's kind of a time where people who do have means, uh, can, you know, sow into the lives of people That's without. Right. And, exactly. and what, and the most fascinating part of what you have just described is that it's not always going to be out of our abundance, is it? No. Sometimes it's out of the, you know, the five bucks we have instead of the hundred bucks we have. Oh, many, many a times, uh, Donna and I have given, uh, you could classify, I would, I, you can't say out of our poverty. I've never been in that, that kind of. Sure. But I've been broke. Yeah. I've given the little I had left when I didn't know where the next portion was coming. And I really have seen the Lord do amazing things. 
see, they're testimonies that are real, Andy. Yeah. They're not just preachers' methods of raising money right. and getting money for the church. These testimonies of the goodness of God are real. Mm. And a certain percentage of them are connected to the kind of faith you express by being generous in church, to people around you, and even in the graciousness of your attitude when there's a lot of stress and strife that goes on, yeah. how you respond to people just out and about. Yeah, come on. That's really awesome, Robin. Well, um, I think I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, but before we go, could you maybe just pray over us? Pray, sure. pray over our church. Pray sure. over the families in our church. Sure. And you know, because I, I wanna, I do want to be sensitive. I think, I think we've talked to a lot of folks this week that are dealing with one kind of anxiety or another, and we've, we've covered a lot of good material today, but. There's nothing like prayer. And maybe next time we could talk more about anxiety. Sure. We have another opportunity yeah, to do this. And I, yeah, I think we will. Great. I think because we I've will. I've got some things I've seen over the years. Great. Well, Father, we have the capacity through the words of our mouth and our faith to bless. And we stand in your place, Lord. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And so in your name, we bless not just Queen City Church, we bless the city of Charlotte. We bless this region. And also, Lord, we bind this virus. We, we ask that it would stop, that it would diminish, that it would quickly run its course. Lord, I pray that no one at Queen City Church would get coronavirus. I pray that your kindness, your mercy, and your supply would be um, just what everyone needs. And thank you so much, Lord. We just thank you. We're grateful for who you are and what you've done. Uh, bless us, Lord. Open up our eyes and our hearts to see how kind and good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.